0: what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of coffee and van chats on the out of bounds network my name is john crum if you haven't already please make sure you hit that subscribe button leave us a review as it really helps out a lot and hey if you haven't checked out the out of bounds collective yet please go do that they have some of the coolest podcasts to date if you are listening to this on the out of bounds collective playlist then please head over to my podcast and website and check some things out we got coffee mugs coffee socks all kinds of cool stuff. Any money that you put back into this podcast goes straight into the podcast and into the development of the podcast and it really helps out a lot. So thank you guys for being supporters and if you're not a full financial supporter, thank you so much just for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you can just leave a review, It, it again, it helps out quite a bit. Uh, but anyways, this guy was a listener of the podcast and uh, I was able to get him on, uh, Christian Vandeveld. I'm really excited about this podcast. Uh, I looked up to him when I was coming up into the sport in 2013, that was his last year. And, uh, yeah, We sit down and we chat about how he found himself in NBC commentating. We chat about his time in the professional peloton racing six days, Uh, some of his crazy moments on air, um, some of the dumb things he might've said on air and that he kind of regrets, and one thing that'll live in his brain rent free. So that's pretty fun, that's pretty interesting. But anyways, like I said, this is one of the cooler podcasts that I've done because I really look up to this guy and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So let's go ahead and dive into it, but first let's hear a quick message from the sponsors and back for another episode is spot spot covers your medical bills up to twenty thousand dollars each time you get injured spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs instead of a fixed fee in a world where many people are under or uninsured with sky high deductibles spot fills that gap that is sorely lacking in the outdoor space spot has no deductibles and is a monthly subscription can be canceled at any time spot works whether you have health insurance or not while spot works with and covers a lot of cyclists and mountain bikers spot policies will cover you 24 7 worldwide Whether you're ripping a crit, skiing a black diamond, chopping up food in your kitchen, or climbing Mount Everest, Spot has your back. All you have to do is go to kroom.getspot.com. That's kroom.getspot.com. Spot is also offering it now with licenses with USA Cycling, so be sure to check that out at usacycling.org. But, yeah, so like I said, guys, I've used this a few times before, and it works. It almost sounds too good to be true, but like I said, you got to be, you got to, you got to try it before you hate on it. So check them out at croon.getspot.com. Also back for another episode is twisted spoke apothecary guys. This is my go-to CBD regimen for my recovery. And now they're even making chamois cream. Guys, I'm using their chamois cream, which is awesome, by the way. Um, all you have to do is go to TwistedSpokeCBD.com. That's TwistedSpokeCBD.com. Or if you're in Colorado Springs, all you need to do is head on over to Garden of the Gods Road and say hey to the guys, Wim and those guys over at Twisted Spoke and make sure that you get a big, big glass of cold brew. And they can talk to you about CBD all day. But it's created by cyclists. And uh, yeah, they they take care of us. So go check them out at twistedspokecbd.com. Also back this week, Zill Pro. Um, guys, if you have a bike rack and you're not covering your bike, I hate showing up to a bike, uh, bike race with a dirty bike after it being on the rack. It is a pain in the ass. So Zill Pro is there to help cover your needs. All you have to do is go check them out at zillpro.com. That's zillpro.com. I'll put a link in the description below, but that is it for sponsors today. Let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. I'm sitting with the legend, Christian Vandevel. This is this is super cool. Um, he actually wrote me a message when I did my wife's podcast, which my wife is actually kind of proud of. You should know that, by the way, because I gave her a hard time, like for the longest time that we weren't gonna do a podcast together because we didn't have anything to talk about. And she goes, What what the fuck do you mean we don't have anything to talk about? <laughs> Like we, we could talk about how you weigh your food in the morning. We could talk about how much of a pain in the ass you are when you're hungry. We could talk about, um, how much time we, you know, how we didn't get a honeymoon. We can talk about that. You know, <laughs> we can talk about a lot of things. And, I think, uh,
1: I think the message I wrote is like that you had ptsd whole, right yeah exactly that <laughs> gave me ptsd man that just brought me back to living in girona i was like yeah oh, I, don't, I don't want to go back to those years
0: yeah so that podcast slowly turned into uh my argument and our argument on on like live live recording and i was like hopefully just nobody listens to it and then and then you listen to it so no, that's cool <laughs> man but anyways how are you doing man very good thank you uh, it's nice to be here no nah, yeah this is super cool so you know, just diving, you know, you know, before we even got started, we got to talk about how, you know, you had a bit of a track career, but let's, let's kind of dive into like where it all started for you. I mean, your dad's in the hall of fame. I mean, you've written for some of the best teams in America and yeah, you were, you were a part of, you were part of some, yeah, like I said, some of the best programs and honestly, some of the worst yet, some of the most, like some of the best times. I mean, we talk about like pay and, um, payouts and 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 racing and like how it's kind of dying they're saying it's dying based off the 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 era that you raced in you know what i mean like that was when the prize purses were massive and and now we barely see you know a thousand dollar prize purse in a pro race in america anymore but yeah yeah um
1: you know it's funny This has been a topic conversation with a lot of us lately but it's not you know when i first came in as a pro we had redlands and and now it's come back to be at Redlands. That's yeah. It. You know, so, yeah, I mean, so that's, we, so I saw the whole curve during my career, you know, it got bigger and bigger and bigger until, you know, we had uh tour of Missouri, you know, tour of Utah, California was a massive one, uh, G- uh, Georgia, of course. So all those races happened during my tenure, which I was so cool. It was so great to be able to race on home soil. Um, but yeah, now we're back to square one, which, which is, which is not great. Um, there's a lot of cyclists out there, but, not so much high level racing, but yeah, my story, you know, like you said, my dad, um, growing up, looking up to him, he's my hero. So I just wanted to be a cyclist as much as possible. Um, yeah. And he had, he had the reins on me. Wouldn't let me race until I was like 16 years old. Cause he wanted me to do other things like wrestle and play golf and, Know, actually graduate high school, have yeah. a girlfriend, things like yeah. that. Um, just know be, how to
0: talk to a girl. Yeah. Or, just be you know, balanced. Yes. Yeah. Priorities. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah,
1: he was a two-time Olympian in 68 and 72 and um, was a professional uh, six-day racer for a couple of years afterwards. Um, when, you know, no one was professional in the United States. So talk about, you know, becoming a professional and then not being able to race at all in the United yeah. States because there's no professional races. So it definitely hamstrung him out a bit so that didn't last too long but then of course um he got to do some fun things with being in breaking away and being one of the bad guys you know yeah what is it two or three belgians and a puerto rican were the italians in breaking away so he's one of the belgians
0: no that's awesome yeah well it's funny that you mentioned that because i'm like i always pull up people's wikipedia page before they come in because i always i think wikipedia pages are funny and uh your first sentence is a, a retired american professional road cyclist of belgian descent so it, That's it made, really
1: going back far.
0: Yeah, it made sure that it highlighted your Belgian descent. So, where does that come from? Because, like, I didn't even know that. Like, I, I obviously in the name, I can kind of okay, that makes sense. But, like, where does that where does that even stem from?
1: Uh, it, it, first of all, it was, it was my great grandfather, so it's a long time ago, right? But it's, hmm. it's very typical to Chicago or any any of those towns that it was. You know, great grandfather for for my generation at least usually came over. Um, but what makes it stronger in Chicago is that you lived in a neighborhood where you still spoke Flemish and then, you know, across the train tracks was the Germans. And then over there was the Irish and then over there was Italians and on and on and on. And so you kept that bond a little bit tighter for a little bit longer. And so my grandparents still spoke Flemish a little bit around the house. And then by the time my dad was around, of course, nothing at all. So, but yeah, I think it's more the name. It's a strong name and, um, it actually a lot of the Dutch think that I'm Dutch, and I have to say, no, I'm Belgian. Actually, and they think that I'm an idiot because you know some, they, they look down on
0: the Belgians. <laughs> right on. So, can you speak Flemish, or can you speak another no. language, or no?
1: I mean, I speak Spanish because I lived there for 16 years, but even that was yeah. Catalan. I'm, yeah. I'm very, uh, yeah. I, I feel s- really bad for how bad my Spanish is for how long I lived there.
0: Yeah, right on. I'm learning two languages right now, um, or I'm trying to um learning German yeah English is one of those (laughs) German and Spanish I'm trying like I I I used to so I just got back from Switzerland and um the amount of fucking languages those intelligent people can speak is unreal and I've come to the conclusion that I'm an idiot and instead of just calling myself an idiot I'm going to try to fix it this year and I've already got a sense of Spanish um but yeah, I, I got to start working on on something else and just, you know, because I couldn't even really say hello. And it's just hello, you know, in in German, you know, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. But anyways, long story short, um, you, you 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 said you just got done listening to the Colby Lang podcast, where we talked about our recent uh, shell shock from the four day, not even a full six day. So let's talk about your track career, because like, I didn't even really know that you had a track career. And it's actually really interesting to me, how many road guys and actually from the Garmin sharp days there were from the track that just kind of go unheard of like even Greg Daniel who you know rode for you know the U23 Garmin squad um you know he was like IP national champion and and I didn't know that when he came into the program near the latter half of our track days but yeah so tell me tell me a little bit how you find yourself in the track like did you start there or were you you know Yeah. I started there. um, We had a a local track called Northbrook
1: in Chicago, north side of Chicago. Um, Not a great track, but that's what we had. Um, And then we had Kenosha a little bit farther drive in Wisconsin.
0: Also not a great track, but... Not a great track. I will say this. They're still running. They still have races. So to me, they must be doing something right. Totally. It's great. And we had a great camaraderie there
1: and some great riders. But you know, I live in Chicago. There's no mountains. We had crosswinds, headwinds, mostly headwinds. I don't know why, but it it was... uh, it was, that's what we did. And some, and my father, of course, coming from a track background, um, that's what he wanted. He said that that's the best way to, to really hone your skills and get your foot near a foot in the door. And so that's what I did. And so we had a good group of juniors who are racing and, um, I wanted to qualify for the junior world championships. Oh man, this is 94. And so the way to qualify in the junior world championships, I was, was born in 93 okay so you could shut up now uh, so it was just to be uh i think there was only three of us it was yeah. the it was the elite men's points race and so we just i just had to beat one guy and then we'd go to uh the world championships and they, I ended they up winning, only
0: take two of you you got
1: it okay and so i ended up winning the whole whole damn race the you know the elite men's as a junior okay and and, and this is on my dad's 1972 points race or, or pursuit bike so i'm on Hell this yeah. light blue schwinn paramount that i just showed you a second ago yeah uh, and a tri spoke in the back and, and so, so wow, i was just man. out there just, there was a wing and a prayer and you know i took a lap early and there was a rain delay and then that wasn't uh, your first track friends. race though right no i was racing okay. track a bit but i didn't have that much experience you know I was still yeah. you know just graduated high school you know a month before that so then then i was just thrown in the deep end you know i was about to go to marion uh, college right there, right across the street. Yeah, um, from the Major Taylor Village Room, and then you know, national teams like, well, now you you were, selected for the Pan Am Games in the points race. My whole shit, and then so I had no idea this. So I my only goal was to go to Junior Worlds, and so yeah. you were like, do you want to go to? Australia and I'm like hell yes and so I just <laughs> said forget about college and I state there and and uh, yeah then I found myself on the team pursuit team which you know they had just had big success and got second place of the world championships in in '94 so um, and that went right into the whole project '96 for going to Atlanta um, okay. so that was really my foray and you know I I didn't make the Atlanta team and I honestly almost quit the sport you know uh, from team pursuit just because wow. I was so I was so upset about that. You know, it was such a, it was so big. Living at the Olympic Training Center. You know, home games. It was insane. And so, if you came up short, it was a huge blow. Um, but luckily, I, I, you know, persevered. And you know, the next year I won the World Cup in the individual pursuit overall, um, and then got a, a ride on U.S. Postal.
0: Wow. Yeah. See this right here, like, I mean, honestly, this conversation, like, I'm trying to think about quitting the sport, like I almost needed you in like 2019, I think me, Ashton, Colby, Gavin, the whole team, we just needed to all sit down and you needed to tell us it was going to be okay. Cause we were trying to think who else has been in this situation where it's like, you know, didn't qualify or didn't get selected. You know, that could kind of feel the team pursuit vibe because you you literally, you spend almost like three years, just not racing really.
1: No, exactly. Just train, you know, train. and, and just back train then, we, didn't,
0: we didn't know. We, dude,
1: I we rode thirty-five thousand kilometers a year in training, like huge stupid yeah. blocks, and we raced seven times. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Mental. Yeah, yeah. So just having that, you know, it's just not fun. You know, I think yeah. honestly, I was overtrained for the longest time as well. So actually, getting a rest after ninety-six and getting fat, and then then I couldn't do anything wrong in ninety-seven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right on. No, that's, that's super cool. And so that's when you find yourself into the pro cycling ranks. So like you weren't racing pro when you were on project 96 or like on the road, you were was full gas. national
1: team, but you know, we did a lot of road races to supplement okay. the training. Um, so we'd go over to Europe and race uh, a bunch of French cup races, uh, in the springtime, some Italian races. Um, so I got some a little bit of, of help there and some looks from some big amateur teams. Um, but, uh, luckily I went head to head with Stuart O'Grady in Adelaide um in the pursuit. And Stewie, you know, knowing Stewie, he just raced the the Tour de France, he's exhausted. And so I I, I won. And, you know, that finally got the the look from US Postal. So I yeah, stay.
0: I need to get Ashton back on the podcast. I would one of these days. I just want to sit down and see what his inbox is like. Cause like you know what I mean. When you win a race against Filippo Ganna, you're just like I wonder. I just wonder. You know. I just wonder what your inbox looks like. But uh, but anyways, so so now diving into that. So you but you did some six days as a professional road rider, right? Like no, I, oh I was no, I was never that insane. I, I okay. never and you know, we always wanted to go home. You know, if if I lived in <laughs> Europe,
1: yeah, I, I, I probably would have to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean that'd been great to be able to go in and just Pick out a couple sixes and do it. Be fantastic, but there's no way. The, the second the season ended, I was on a flight getting the hell out of there. You know, yeah. spending especially when I was younger, um, which when I was still doing World Cups and World Championships and the Olympics in 2000 as well in the team pursuit. So I would have loved to have done that, but no, I only did it as an amateur. I did, did Copenhagen as an amateur.
0: So what was that like? What was that experience like? How many Madisons had you raced up into then? I always love having. The Madison talk. I mean, because I don't, I don't know if we brought it up with the Colby podcast, but there's literally a time in Bremen, his first ever Madison, like in, with people, like like he's yeah, at this point he's only done one Madison, a couple Madison throws behind a motorbike, then within the first two laps, all the lights go out.
1: No, I, and, I heard that that that's hysterical with the lights. I mean,
0: and I heard yeah. about that when that did happen. Uh, yeah. and it's not the first time; it's
1: happened quite a few times over in Germany, especially. Oh um, man. That Australians are they've have amazing stories about them training in, in Germany. The lights wouldn't go out. But no, that that was my first Madison as well. And this okay. is not Copenhagen 250 token. This is old school and I think it was called the Forum or something like that, right downtown. It's really cool. Um, the the home straights were old, right? So like uh-huh. I don't know, 70s or something like that, 80s, whenever they put that in. And then they would rebuild the corners. And if when you do the exchanges on the home straight, so like your back wheeled slide dogs. is just like greasy as shit. Beer oh my and God. Of it. Um, but yeah, no, that was my first. And I forgot it was, if that was a one eighty five or whatever, it was small, you know, it wasn't as yeah. small, it wasn't small as Gent, but, um, you know, it, but I had, my dad had a velodrome and this is kind of weird. It's kind of like a field of dreams. Like, so that, that was my job out of high school is that I, I we had to put together this velodrome that he's been in our family for years, yeah. And so, so I had a bunch of experience riding on that. So we put up at uh, Taste of Chicago, for example, and we have bike races, and a lot of good riders come out there and race on that. So I had experience on a smaller track, but Madison, no, dude, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was doing <laughs> everything my dad told me not to do. You know, like going underneath exchanges and just hoping for the best, and just I'll Jesus just take up.
0: the wheel at that point. It's like even if you don't 100%. believe in anything, you're just like, oh my God, whatever higher power there is. Like, I mean, I will believe in anything at this point because it just like it gets nuts because it's funny because it's like you could ride the top five wheels and it's honestly like a breeze. It's it, it's I riding the front like riding first wheel full gas is easier than riding, you know, six wheels back.
1: Yeah, I, I did that a lot. I did that a lot. And because I had the engine to back it up so I could make the mistakes yeah. and, and coming back, but you know, and crashing and then, but you know, the problem was when we take a lap, then I'd be back in chaos and like, we had no idea doing And you know, i never met my partner. He's a Danish guy. Um, but my, my best story about that week was, you know, I'm, I'm staying by myself. You know, I'm used to being along the national team where everything was really regimented. And, and so I go out for a bike ride every morning for two hours and then, that was just my process and the warm up for the race. It was only like an hour chase every night. It was nothing special. Right. Yeah. And uh, everyone, well, now I know what happens on Sunday. Um, so I went for my usual bike ride in the morning, go by the track to see the, the juniors race. And I see my race going on out there. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? And so I missed the entire Sunday. Because I didn't realize it's a matinee on Sundays and it's not at night. Oh, yeah, man. So, so I went home and packed my bags. And I'm like, fuck, I, I'll never be able to. I can't even do this one week of racing. I'll never make it in Europe. I was just like, <laughs> right back into like a the sport. Oh, man. Somehow, like I, I gave, you know, the, the promoter a bottle of Jack Daniels. Henrik, I'll never forget it. And uh, he put me back in the race, but he put me uh, like a couple laps back or whatever, just because I pretty much took a rest day, right? And yeah. uh, then we won the next day, and we got the flowers, and so everything was okay again. You know? <laughs> so just keep, keep putting
0: one foot in front of the other, and
1: buy some Jack Daniels, as people. It goes a long way.
0: Yeah, but like, and I guess this isn't around a time where like somebody's just messaging you on Instagram, like, "Dude, where the fuck are you?"
1: No, I had um, no clue, man. I Had no phone. I was just, I, mean, oh, I was man. going to one eight hundred collect to call people back at home <laughs> on a
0: payphone. <laughs> Hey, I might need to change my flight. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh man, dude, that's nuts. So, so yeah. So is that and so was that the last time? So like after you sign to Postal, is that the last time you you hit the track?
1: No, well, I did the Olympics in two thousand um, in the pursuit, which I I was horrible. I won a World Cup in ninety nine in yeah. the pursuit. And then, so I, I did a little bit here and there, and there's a few of us who are still doing that, like Brad McGee was still doing that, and Stuart O'Grady was still doing it, a couple, a couple guys in, uh, in France as well, but for the most part, no, I, I didn't, and the, the whole program was kind of falling apart a little bit after 96 and 97, so... It really wasn't that much to go back to unfortunately and but yeah in 2000 in sydney i remember sitting in the stands with my dad and he's like that's the last time i'm gonna see on the track i'm like yes sir that's it,
0: man. <laughs> i am, am out of here yeah done no and it's it's crazy because like you know like it's there's so many guys that are like that and it's really a sad kind of like like turn of events almost but um i mean i feel like the british have a really good setup even the australians have a really good setup where like the guys, there's a few guys that kind of hover around, and even the Danish. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's like the guys ride the Olympics and then hopefully they get a road contract from that and get a new opportunity.
1: Yeah. Which is sad because to be honest with you, I geek out still more on track cycling than anything else. You know, and I get to call the Olympics for NBC, track cycling is amazing. I absolutely yeah. love it. You know, and and seeing the six days and
0: Well, this Um, year, this Olympics had to be epic for you.
1: Oh, I was losing my mind. Yeah, you know, from the women's side was incredible. It was amazing. um, The omnium, obviously, and then of of course, what Ghana did in the team pursuit. What the fuck? I mean, it's and then just and just geeking out on the gears and what you guys all ride these days blows my mind
0: well saying that you want a world cup pursuit do you remember the gear that you rode are you at least remember the? there has I'm to be embarrassed. A i'm embarrassed to let's say hear what it the, i was on a 5215. what is that that's like uh that's One 96. Half. no is that way a, is that is that too big yeah way too big oh is that 92 90. yeah something like that oh my Not, god what was your time like you remember I can probably look it at up. the olympics at the olympics no
1: i did not remember i sucked at the olympics i was i had zero form i was hurt and yeah. beat up but um but like the 420s i mean put it this way In we rode the same gear in the team pursuit and we yeah. did a 406 and i think it was like 145 rpm for the whole time or 100 and holy
0: shit well stupid. dude it's funny man i remember when we were all like we were begging to ride bigger gears and uh like when this whole program started and I remember Jim Miller giving us a hard time being like, you can't even be the Garmin Sharp team. And I know they weren't even close to that. Like your warm up gears are bigger than what they're riding. And I like, this is like, we're like three months into training. Oh, it was hilarious. And so we're getting our asses chewed out. And I remember talking to Bobby Lee even that, uh, <clears throat> you know, talking to Bobby Lee about, you know, he, he, he never rode bigger than a 96 in anything. I mean, he was like, he was like the easiest thing for me was just to pick one gear. And just stick to a 96. And you know, I talked to him in T town this year, and he was asking me what I rode in the pursuit, and he was like, "Yeah, like I would have never even thought about putting that gear on." And so, yeah, it's 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 interesting knowing like what guys are riding back then into now, and 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 what you know, even positioning, you know, like the flat bar, you know, it was very flat bar position. Head was kind of even popped up a bit, and now we're angling things. I would say,
1: like aerodynamically, I was very astute thank goodness because we had a lot of you know we got to go to the wind tunnel quite a bit in gm yeah. um and our, our bikes were just absolutely incredible yeah um i'm still want to go and steal mine out of i think it's still in the in the in the foyer at usa cycling that's that's mine i think it's like the only one still left in there so it might no, go shit. missing one day yeah it needs All to come right. back home because my, my my taint lived on that thing for many many so i, I need
0: operation steal christian's bike i'm on it bro i'll, put, I'll write that down on my uh on my whiteboard i they're they're literally 20 minutes away from the house we will we will get this bike back i'm on it like, no it's, it is cool
1: to see the generation gaps you know so like for my yeah. for example my dad did like five minutes or something like that for they broke five minutes i think for uh the team pursuit right you No, know, yeah in, in individual whatever it was and then 4:35, i think was their fastest team pursuit so then i try to beat their you know team pursuit time on myself you know and the same thing goes with now that ashton goes faster than we went in the team pursuit and anyone went for the team pursuit until 96 until the Italians went and then of course in 2000 with the Germans right yeah Um, so everything every 20 years it seems like it kind of jumps again so I'm kind of getting scared what's going to be like in 20 years from now like how can you keep on because you know when they first beat four minutes I didn't think that was possible you know like holy shit no I mean sorry I didn't think it would be anyone can go too much faster than that, right? I thought that was are becoming the, the speed barrier, right? Yeah. It's sound barrier. And then to look at it now, geez, Louise. well guess I nuts. can only
0: imagine what it's like being a commentator now. And and I, I kinda wanna know what it what it took to like make that transformation because it's not many guy it's not like it's not like they're just like okay you've graduated from the world tour and now you get a chance at ABC or an NBC or whatever, you know, right? Yeah. So like I would really love to know like how you how you found your way in there and and because that's something that um i don't think a lot of cyclists have which is um the what to do after and you know their life like your life man i mean even though you started at 16 it sounds like your life was the bike i mean you're 35 Thirty-five thousand kilometers in a year is insane. Like that's that's a that's a that's a workload, my friend. And
1: yeah, year um, after year after year after year for many. Yeah, so, yeah. The, the chassis is a little bent. Engine's still okay, but chassis a <laughs> little messed up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So in 2013, so first of all, I was, I was lucky enough to call the end of my career. Um, you know, yeah. I think every athlete wants that's the goal that they they go out on their own volition. And so, lucky I was, I was doing that, and but I crashed out of my last tour and. Yep beat up broken bones and um my friend and she did all of our media at the time mariah Palmgrace. she asked me hey you know david michaels from nbc would maybe like want you to come on and do a couple segments um and like she's like it's kind of maybe an audition for next year and i was like okay whatever but and then i started thinking about like you know what screw it i'm gonna do it so i was home in chicago i I booked a ticket back to france yeah and because i was like you know what i you know of course i had us pro coming up which i won the year before and i should have been doing that but i said man i I have to start looking into what i'm gonna be doing afterwards and i'm beat up anyways and i'll feel great so it's not like i feel like i could win right now anyway so flew back there did a couple segments and you know that was enough for them to take a, a shot at me going into 2014 and you know i i i think i sucked at it for a while you know because it's all they want you to do is be yourself that's what the reason so hard you. so hard. to be yourself is not easy especially when you're sitting you know like i've known paul sure and paul's you know was was friends with my father since you know I don't, since i could remember right yeah. so he'd be coming over for dinner since i was 12 years old so i knew paul i knew bob a little bit um, Phil kinda, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, then we're having dinner and Bob, Phil, Paul and I all the time. And I'm like, Holy shit, what is happening with my wife? You know? Yeah. And which was, you know, great. And then you, you find yourself trying to, you're almost speaking like them and things like You're not being yourself anymore. So after I shook that, then now I feel like I'm on plane and being myself and, and having a good time. And I, I absolutely love it. I'm just fortunate to still be a part of sport
0: no that that's it's so impressive because like i mean uh the, the one guy that i think's like kind of coming up under you that uh is more on the british side of things adam blythe like adam's you two great. yeah you two i think are just great naturals i mean they even tried to have bradley Wiggins on and i've seen a few of like the attempts that they've had with other cyclists but like between you and adam i think you guys kill it like it, yeah, adam's, especially adam's great what i like about adam is because like I know some of the beefs with some of the Hublot bike guys and like some of the aerodynamic stuff. And so it's funny kind of hearing some of that stuff, but he, I mean, the moment he came on, he wasn't scared to say, speak his mind and be himself. And that's kind of why I like his commentating. Um, no, he,
1: he's, he's, he went in right into that role and we were like, cause when I, we didn't know who we were gonna put there because it was the COVID yeah. that we couldn't get Steve Perino back on the bike, right? So we yeah. couldn't get over there. I'm like, we're like, holy shit, who we're we gonna get over there that's, that's European based. And so I called a couple of friends and like, hey, what about Blathe? I'm like, that's a great idea. So he called up. Adam's like, hey, please, yes. And yeah. so he went over there and he was like born for the role. You know, he's yeah. a total showman. He loves to be in the spot, like, yo, what's up? Yeah,
0: he's killing it. And I, I thought it was great. It was a good, it was a good addition. And uh, but uh, but yeah, man. And so let's like kind of moving forward, because you obviously can't do NBC your entire career. What's this breakaway app? I've we I've seen it all over the internet. I mean, you got you got Ashton Lambie, you got Ben Wolf. I don't know who else, but and you're also are you a Peloton instructor as well?
1: I think I've been put on ice by Peloton. The, uh, COVID was a good excuse. I was never like a full time Peloton instructor, so I yeah. was like the only guest instructor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I used to do a lot of events, things like that. So I I kept busy. Yeah, um, I, and I did everything when I retired. You know, everyone anyone. Had, gave me an opportunity. I'm like, yes. And so I realized what I'd like to do and didn't like to do more importantly. Um, yeah. but this last year with the breakaway is one of my friends. Um, one of the early guys from Strava and his friend started this app. And he's, he was a guy who used to make fun of me all the time. He's like, dude, what does your life come to that you're a spin instructor now? Are you oh, serious? Man. And then he got a Peloton bike and he's like, Holy shit. This thing's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably like, I can only imagine like when trainers came out, it's like, pff- trainers because i used to live with jeff pierce uh i don't you know jeff pierce probably yeah i used to live with jeff pierce in his basement and he used to give me the hardest time when i was like fuck i forgot to charge my wahoo or my garment or whatever and he's like why do you need that like just go ride take a clock and go ride that way for three hours and then ride back and it'll be six hours there you go buddy
1: (laughs) times have have changed pepe
0: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean so over COVID, I didn't have any of these things going on. I didn't have any events, didn't have, yeah. you know, Peloton. And so Jordan, my friend, who, early days in Strava, he's like, I'm, I think we need to do something that, you know, the, what's the, what's next and really simplifying all this data. Cause there's so much data. Like just, so you're saying you're charging this, charging that. You got your whoop, you got the aura. And I got super God, Yeah. on. It's a lot going on. You have to learn. So uh, the, the breakaway is just simplifying all that, you know, and making it all about you. There's no leaderboards. There's no random segments every pr is about performance against what is possible for people your age, your weight and your gender, yeah. you know? I mean, so that just makes it easier and so you against you and just trying to get better. And we're seeing members of Breakway really pass through what they thought was possible, which is awesome to see, you know, but just like in Peloton. It was so cool to see so many of those guys go from a Peloton bike to hey, take my classes and then also they'd be like, I'm going to road bike and then show up at our camps at a hotel and then start doing little events yeah. and things like that all the way. And they'd never even owned a bike before. So this is really just trying to scale down everything, try to condense all that data make, let us do the hard lifting on the backside because under, underneath the hood is, is really intelligent and just make it easy for you to ascertain what I need to do first and foremost, because people, they, they just want to be just, just tell me what to do, please. Yeah. And, you know, make, make your, Hard days hard. Your easy days easy. You're gonna get better. I mean, it's, yeah, it's no, really for simple, sure, for sure, but it's not yeah. easy, right? People yeah. have lives, and not everyone wants to have a coach or they don't have time to have a coach to have a, pro, a program throughout the week. Um, so we're just really trying to hit all those people, and it's it's been a fun process. You know, I never went to school, so having all these, you know, being held, held accountable for all these different devices, I have to learn. So on the, on the tech side, I'm hurrying up really quickly um but it's it's been a really fun process and i'm really psyched about it so yeah please go check out the breakaway (laughs) y'all.
0: yeah yeah no we'll put a link in the description below for sure where people can go check that out because i think it i do think it's cool because like um i i you know i work at cts and i get phone calls all the time of like hey can you coach somebody on peloton it's like "Uh, not really but i mean i can help you and i can help point things out i mean in reality you can like the peloton coach can coach you on the peloton you know what i mean and so but with some of these apps like uh, full Goss, i think is a new one that i've heard about have you heard of that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's,
1: I, that's Aussie, i believe
0: yeah that one's interesting between that zwift and 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 uh trainer road and i think it's great i think i think having more opportunities in the space for doing something different is awesome yeah yeah no um, and l-
1: let me just clarify that it's it's not just for pelton you know
0: it's it's on the road it's it's
1: yeah, whatever yeah. you can up, upload so it's all your power from a garmin unit um wahoo's coming soon. Um, we got Zwift and then of course Peloton. So just congregating all that data. So it it all lives together, which is nice as well. Not having one over here, one over there, just seeing exactly what you're doing all together.
0: No, that's super cool. Um, and so, yeah, so kind of, kind of moving forward a little bit. Um, you, have lived probably all over the country at this point, whether it's Colorado, California, just training and doing whatever else, right. Um, and all over the world for that matter. Um, you, you, you found yourself in Greenville. Um, and, uh, for, that's right, for you're I, South Carolina boy, aren't you? Dude, I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina, born and mm-hmm. bred. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love, I love, love South Carolina. Greenville is like, that's where I started. I looked up to guys like you, George. Like when I, I remember bringing my wife when she was my girlfriend, and I was like 18. I was like, do you know who that is? That's that's George, George Hancock <laughs> George man. And um, I actually was on a, I found myself like I was riding through Travelers Rest and. There was one time i was riding home and i ran into a group of group of the masters guys and i remember just like george was in that group and i was like oh man i just did uh, and it ended up being it was supposed to be a three-hour day that ended up because i had to ride from Easley south carolina uh to traveler's rest Sleasley. yeah pretty much <laughs> and uh i they were taking the longer way back and i was like. Nah, fuck it! I'll never get an opportunity like this again. I was a Cat Four road cyclist, and it ended up being an eight-hour day for me. Um, <laughs> but it was the coolest thing in the world. So, obviously, what what made you go to Greenville? I mean, like, what made you end up there? Well, I
1: moved back from Girona, Spain. So my wife and kids and I lived in Girona, We had a cool house, um, which actually the the longest stretch that we've ever lived in one place. And so oh, it's wow. kind of weird. Yeah. So when that, we closed that chapter, that was really sad, actually. And so we moved back to where my wife and I uh, both grew up in Chicago Burbs. And after a couple of years, I was like, I, not, not even not even a couple of years. I mean, I'm talking like months, man. I was like, yeah. oh, this is not good. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to last you Because I was going doing gigs every weekend for the most part. You know, yeah. work at NBC or some event. And then during the week, all my friends would work, right? And I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm losing it, you know? And so George is like, and so during that course of time, you know, George had his, his fond of going on, and we did a couple camps together here in Greenville at his hotel, Hotel Domestique. And man, I was like, this is not bad down here. You know, he's like, why don't you come down? Give it a shot. And so one day, my wife just saw me just kicking a can around the house. It's just, just, just being just a dick, you know, yeah. for the longest. And so she's like, all right, bro, let's go i was like really we could do this and so i mean (laughs) they just started looking at real estate right away yeah Uh, but no i honestly and and i'm so happy i've done it it's it's been such a good quality of life move um then bobby Julik was right behind me he moved straight from nice i think he bought a house over the internet didn't even know what it really looked like until he got here um so yeah it's in this little town has changed a ton man you wouldn't even believe like since even since i've been here for almost six years and it's crazy to see No every seems.
0: every year i leave and come back it's like a new thing and the it's not the newest thing but the thing that i found out about like what four years ago when i came back to do some training um was tandem creperie cafe yeah. that it seems to be the staple of of the cyclists there which is just like I don't understand how nobody's like four hundred pounds living there. But uh, Yeah, those,
1: those things are a little bit too good. Yeah, I it's mean,
0: it's actually insane.
1: Um if you, it, if you do that on you have to time your your ride correctly. If you eat that at the wrong time, you're gonna have to take a nap on the side of the Oh ride. yeah,
0: yeah. Like it's I mean you're down for the count. It's like two thousand calorie <laughs> crepes, like and they're savory crepes with sweet, it's it's a big mix. But uh <laughs> but yeah, so you find yourself in Greenville and um yeah, like what like I guess more or less, like, what do you find yourself doing for the con- the continuation of the sport and 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 the rest of your career? I guess more or less, like, because it's like I feel like you have your hat and everything. Like, you're running camps, you're running, you know, you're on NBC, you are um, Breakaway App. Like, what, like, what do you see? Where do you see Christian ten years? Like, what do you, oh, what do you want to see? Wow,
1: I didn't think we we're gonna go to Oprah. Honestly. Oh yeah, but...
0: dude, I'm curious. <laughs> um.
1: I, I really don't know right now. I mean, 10 years is, is seems like an eternity, but I know it's going to yeah. be gone up blink and eye, especially when you you have teenagers in the house all of a Um, but yeah, you're right. Right now. I'm just, I love still helping out the sport. Um, I serve on a board. We got a, a great little junior squad with George's son now who's way too strong now. all immediately at 13 years old, which is not fine. <laughs> um, and then so we help out those guys a little bit locally. Um, I mean, I'm blessed to be able to go ride with all these guys, you know, just on a random Wednesday afternoon. All of a sudden, we're riding with some some of the best buddies who happen to be some of the best cyclists of all time as well. Yeah. I'm still at my age. I think that's amazing. Um, Right my back door. So that home side is great. You know, NBC is fantastic. Um, The breakaway has been awesome. I did the, the union thing for a while so as a president of the union for the last five or six years, trying to get the North Americans back up to par. I still think that we're far away from where we need to be, um, as, as cyclists for having someone to have their a voice for them. Um, that's, that's a totally different podcast altogether, but, uh, yeah. I, I really don't know, man. I, have really been just taking it st- a step at a time and just trying to live a balanced lifestyle. I've realized, especially through the last two years and in, in COVID that, my time is limited with my kids right now as well. Yep. I mean, I'm just looking down the barrel of a gun of like three and a half years. And my, my oldest <laughs> yeah. is she's gone in college, you know? Yeah. And so I need to have reasons for them to come back and hang out with the old man. So yeah, uh, that, that's my priority really, to be honest, right, right now is, is, is the kids and, and trying to stay home a little bit more, you know, went from 200 days a year in training camps to now hundred with NBC. So it's just trying to whittle it down, but, you know, be able to do the call the Walter, from my buddy's office downtown greenville you know and all the world championships and things like that i mean that has been a huge silver lining i know, you know i was about sl- to
0: say did, did, did the did covid as, as shitty as it sounds because we've talked about how covid's affected people negatively but honestly some of these cyclists is actually affected kind of positively in a very morbid way yeah like, well, I God mean,
1: damn, there, there ain't no COVID in South Carolina, bro.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> my parents were just in town. I've, I, I've I've heard the whole the whole COVID thing. You know, it's uh, yeah. I, I've I've noticed that uh, mask almost didn't exist there, even when COVID mm. was rampant. <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah. So, do you feel like it's kind of like I guess put a new spin on your career, but almost grown with you? I guess you know, because more or less, like right, probably when you were just getting started you're like oh my god like i still get to travel i still get to experience stuff but i don't have to suffer up the climb i can just talk about chris Frooms uppering up the climb this is awesome uh, you know and get paid to it do is, it or whatever you know? yeah which
1: was crazy though but uh crazy hard as well because you know because i was so stressed out whenever i was on on the camera uh, yeah. i came out of freaked out so bad yeah um and then you know we still drive and, and we're still you know we work like 12 hours a day 14 hours oh, i can a day. only imagine yeah Um, which I love, but I will say that doing it out of Stanford, Connecticut is where we have the big studio and that's where NBC sports is. So if you ever see anyone for, you know, Sunday night football, or for example, or what we used to be NHL, um, those are all the studios that they they all use, um, is great kind of, and soulless at the same time, you know? So it's, it's a 50, 50, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I would still love to go back there. There's nothing. That replaces actually going and riding that last climb and remind yourself of how hard it is or waking up in the morning and seeing sideways rain and seeing, you know, really getting a good feel of what the rider is going to be going through that day. And and to be honest with you, geez, just seeing light. I mean, you go, I I get there like 3.30 in the morning. And I come out, you know, frozen. First of all, because the studio's so damn cold. And then leave at like 1 o'clock. And you're like, oh my god, it's 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 still summer. It's eighty five degrees, and there's light, and but you're destroyed. And then you try yeah. to go to bed at seven o'clock. It's uh... anyway. I I do miss being in France, and I hope that we go back one day. But I don't know if that's happening, man.
0: I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting not because of COVID. Not
1: because just because just of as the... how good the show Easy was, it is. You know, it was easy. The show was great. The ratings went up like 25% over the last two years. So it's all wow. a good thing. Oh, and they probably, oh, um, by the way, they probably saved a couple million bucks and not driving around a tractor. can only imagine. Yeah. And ho- hotels and food and gas. And um. so I get it, but yeah, I hope we go back. Yeah.
0: Well, no, that's interesting. And so I got two, two more questions for you, which you probably, you probably know the last one at this point and hopefully you you've done your studying and you've done, cause you've, you've, probably hung out with tons of cool people so i can only imagine the people you've already had coffee with but before we do that i want to hear and and this is we're going to be putting you on the spot a little bit um i want to hear what is that one time that you'll never forget on air that you were like oh i fucked up there has to be one time or you were oh, just yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> and, and and you might have to go through a few of them where you're like, oh, I probably can't say that one. I probably can't say this one, but uh, but yeah. What's that one time that you, that will never that lives rent free in your brain forever, and that you're just like, oh man, I'll never never get over that.
1: we will say one funny, kind of funny. Well, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and and I, I shared this, and I I kept it in for like seven years. And I, and <laughs> okay. We had a dinner party, and I, and I I I told everyone about it, and they and they keep on. So I don't know if it's a good idea to say it, but I, fuck it. Who cares? It's, it's gone. Um, <laughs> so it, it was, we're talking about a rainy stage and it was in the mountains or mixed mountains. So like category twos and threes and maybe one yeah, or yeah. two, but it was one of those gnarly days, full gas racing. And you can't see shit. And I said something like, you know, you're trying to eat, you're trying to see what's going on. You're taking your glasses on and off, to, you know, cause they're getting dirty and you can't see through your glasses, but if you take your glasses off, you, you get all this schmeg in your eye.
0: Schmeg, yeah,
1: or are We schmeg. I said schmeg, <laughs> and and uh, I had no idea what the you know the Yiddish term really meant. I just know that my dad would say, "Hey, you got some schmeg in your eye," or something like that. You know. Okay. That. Or you know, like, and so I just I didn't think anything of it. And then David Pickles marches into the into the studio. He's like, "What was that all about?" idiot? And Dave is is uh this Al Michaels' brother. You know he's been in the game forever. I'm talking, you know, like all through the, you know, the Yanni years in the '80s. You know when they're when the, oh, Anyway, he's been yeah. there forever, and he's like, yo, what was that? And he's Jewish, by the way, so he knows what exactly. And uh, I was like, I, what? And he's like, dude, Schmeck, you said Schmeck. I was like, well, well yeah. So well, I mean, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and uh. Yeah, so I I learned what that is, and anyone could go and you could go and Google. I'm not going to explain what it is, but yes, that that is uh that's what I said. Oh, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, great. I've said I've said something. You know, I would say the hardest thing for me, especially right out of the gate, was saying negative things about your buddies. It was like like they, not
0: making fun of a guy, like while they were not, riding, not or? not making fun
1: of them, just saying that they they screwed up. They did a horrible. Ah. They did a horrible sprint, or there was the tactics were just dog shit. You know all those <laughs> kind of things like that was so hard for me. You know to really to say what you truly feel, knowing that they're going to hear about it, and then you know why did you? You know, why? Did oh, you truly,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so. that
1: was that was the hardest thing, and so there was times that I definitely held my punches that I, I shouldn't have. You know and but i will say that that was for me the most dramatic
0: right and you out, know right out it, it, and like we're not going to stay on it too long and you don't have to like go down the list i don't want to bring up dead wounds but, or you know on peel back wounds or anything crazy but has there ever like have you ever gotten a text after like a couple days after a stage and they've like rewatched it and they're like dude what the fuck? what was that why did you say that about me have you yeah, ever had that?
1: of course you know and oh, a, wow. a lot of a lot of it was you know I'd say, you know, going both and I would say probably 80, 20 for, you know, the positives versus the negatives. Um, yeah. If if, I feel though, if you say it and it's correct and it's, is truly what you feel, then even if they're upset about it, they're going to get over it. Cause I'm trying to think, you know,
0: well, I'm trying to think like, if I had the opportunity of the job and, and I'm, I'm doing that right. And I, I say something and I happen to know that individual. Um, and it's like, well, dude, you screwed it up. (laughs) <laughs> like, I was just doing yeah. my job, you know? It's like, yeah, you've had that different day. For, for
1: saying that in the conversation with you and I, it's different yeah. to a couple hundred million people. I guess whatever. that's
0: a good point. Yeah, I guess this is a good point. Man, and that's, it's, that's it's your job. That's interesting. See, I would have never even thought to ask you that, and that kind of comes through on its own because literally, in my next question, you know. The, the fact of how many people you know it's it's insane probably how many of those guys not only you rode with you probably mentored or they mentored you maybe i don't know like there's some guys out there that have been riding forever um you know and so but luckily anyway. there's only one valverde you know right now yeah. so there's,
1: there's
0: <laughs> i mean if you got cav i mean dan
1: martin just retired this year I mean, yeah roman Rowan, Rowan dennis was was a hard one he's a great buddy of mine especially yeah. when, he, when he when he dropped the mic and left the tour de france before the time <laughs> trial a couple years ago yeah and i was like oh my god what am i going to say now
0: you know? the, that, So
1: that was a story you know for the whole yeah. week right yeah and it was the most rock star move of all time and
0: You're like no i don't like my skin suit or helmet <laughs> watch this <laughs> I'm out. oh my gosh what a savage um but no yeah that's interesting um it, it is interesting to know like especially i mean th- I mean, that's kind of the same thing with Adam Blythe. Like these guys know these guys personally. Yeah. And then they start speaking on them and you're like, you're wondering if there's beef or like what, what the deal is, you know? Cause they know each other where it's like now, or they used to race against each other even, you
1: know? And, and, and that's, that's what really cuts through with Adam. Yeah. Um, is that camaraderie, you know, even just, you know, in the scrum in the morning, like you don't want to talk to somebody you don't know sometimes, or you don't want to answer yeah. a question that, you know, and they don't have that, First of all, animosity, not that they have animosity, but they don't have a fear and they're at home was speaking with Adam, you know, and Adam's getting high fives on, when he's on the motorbike from Julian Alaphilippe and random, I mean, that is, that's, that's awesome. Probably shouldn't do that all the time, but you, for the yeah. of, tour de France, it's upset about it. Not that I care or anyone else gives yeah. it it's awesome. And we all love it yeah. as spectators to see that. Um, but but yeah, it's no, a Adam safety Adam issue.
0: Did. Like the moment that somebody crashes, the tour de France isn't safe anymore. And crash. professionals. For but, sure. For sure. For sure. But like, you know, that's, that's kind of where their heads are at. Yeah. So. But anyways, last question, which like I said, I can only imagine the amount of guys that you've sat down with had a cup of coffee. So this is probably gonna open up a new realm of just different people you can have a cup of coffee with. But um, yeah, if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee with one individual that are alive, and who would that individual be? And, and then why would you have that coffee with that individual, and how would you take your coffee? you. Know, I, I,
1: you're- like you said I, i've been lucky enough to, to really hang out with a lot of people that i never thought i'd ever get to
0: meet you know from
1: eddie Merckx and zirku to bo bo jackson you know to,
0: i was about to say like even with your NBC sports background i can only imagine just who yeah. you sat down with
1: i mean yeah i mean so i think i'd go the complete opposite way you know i would i think that i i would like to have a cup of coffee with my grandpa who passed away wow. in 2008 okay and just Unload of all the crazy shit that's that done since then like, yeah. like you wouldn't believe what i'm doing right now i think yeah. i think that'd be cool
0: no that would be unreal no that's super cool and, and honestly a great answer um but yeah so like i said guys we will put a link in the description below to the breakaway app um we will also put a link in the description below to christian's uh social media pages and all that website and you guys can check out this crazy wikipedia page too because it's fully just decked out with all kinds of crazy stuff this guy's had an Dude, insane i do not career.
1: want to be on uh dancing with stars i don't know who the hell put that in there but i
0: don't know if it's still there hopefully it's gone by now but
1: dancing with the Stars. were you on dancing with the stars no thank god no
0: i'm a horrible dancer like okay. beyond bad I'll, I'll write an email in that you want to be on dancing with the stars but <laughs> no, also was, also good also, guys, I'll put a, a form link down in the description below uh, for anybody that's willing to help me steal Christian's bike back from USA Cycling. Hopefully, USA Cycling's also listening to this podcast because I think they do, which is kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, we Operation Steal Christian's bike is commencing after this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> we're on it. <laughs> so, But, yeah, anyways, guys, thanks for that. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.